Hi everyone, I'm Gary Nall. We have an empowering hour to share. We begin with the latest study from Mawash University in Saudi Arabia. And it's about berberine, B-E-R-B-E-R-I-N-E. That's a supplement. And it shows promise for pre-diabetic management. Here's the problem. We have somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 to 100 million Americans suffering from either diabetes around 30 million or pre-diabetes around 60 to 70 million. Many of the people who are pre-diabetic don't know it. What's the problem is that if you're overweight, it really increases your risk of diabetes. But if also you have any kind of heart condition, not good also. So what we want to do is try to help people who are overweight or pre-diabetic or diabetic, try to have more natural approaches like exercise and proper diet and proper supplementation wherever needed. This is a placebo-controlled trial that found that taking a berberine supplement significantly improved markers for pre-diabetic like blood sugar and insulin levels compared to the placebo group, and they did it for just two months. So the study suggests that berberine which has been used for a long time, by the way, for other reasons, could be an effective natural alternative to metformin for those with prediabetes. And by the way, there are also double-blind placebo-controlled studies also being done with berberine, and it can prove prediabetic markers. It's not the only one. So that's good news. Because after all, when you're diabetic, you really increase your risk of earlier death. Now, another study, this is from the National Chengkang University in Taiwan. Sesame oil is found to promote bone health in postmenopausal women. We're now seeing osteoporosis at a level that we have not seen before, and especially in postmenopausal women, but also in menopausal women and in premenopausal. The problem is that we're not having a diet that is diverse enough in calcium, magnesium, boron, silica, the different nutrients, manganese, K1, K2, K3, that help create strong, vital bones. And by the way, in the middle of those bones, you're also developing B cells, which are an important part of your immune system. Hence, the older you get chronologically, the more likely you are to suffer from thinning of the bone and weakened immune system. Now, there's no reason at 60, 70, 80, or 90, you should not have a vital immune system and have full bone health, but not the way that we've been living, unfortunately. So, aside from infusing a, uh, well, let's say, a food like sesame seeds or the sesame oil, by the way, it provides a lot of health benefits, but it promotes bone health. So the researchers analyzed this possibility in an animal study published in Scientific Reports, and it suggests that sesame oil supplementation absolutely affects, in a good way, the sex hormone estrogen. In turn, elevated estrogen level appears to prevent osteoporosis, where the bones become weak and brittle. The study looked at 24 female Sprague Dally rats, all 12 weeks old, whose ovaries were surgically removed. They were then divided into four groups, and the last two groups were given sesame oil for four months. They did the best. All right? So just 
something that can help people. Our next study is a very important one. It's from the University of California, San Francisco. I reported on this over 30 years ago, and since that time, about a dozen times. This is just the latest. CAT scans increase cancer risk. I'm not saying that. The research is showing that from the University of California. Especially overexposure to CAT scan radiation can increase cancer risk. And a Dr. Bidman from the University of California, San Francisco, claims that these scans can cause 29,000 new cancers a year and 14,500 deaths. Well, if you could prevent 14 deaths, good. Four deaths, good. But 14,000 you can prevent? Then that should get our attention. And also, previous studies suggest that the average American's total radiation exposure has almost doubled since 1980, primarily because of CAT scans. So according to experts, a single CAT scan, just one, may not be harmful, but overexposure can increase the risk of cancer. All right? So, and unfortunately, part of what we call defensive medicine is rather than being sued for malpractice, for missing something, just overtest for everything. And CAT scans are one of those. So MRIs, they're safer. But unfortunately, the CAT scan is still preferred. So just giving you a heads up. The Medical College of Shantou University in China, greater niacin intake, that's vitamin B3, is linked to lower erectile dysfunction risk. Niacin, also known as nicotinic acid, or vitamin B3, serves as a precursor to uh, NAD and NAD phosphate. And in this pilot energy metabolism study, they found that it helps. And so that's important. And one of the reasons we have erectile dysfunction is primarily the result of vascular causes, particularly atherosclerosis. And then niacin has properties that support the health of the lining of the arteries. Hence, the idea that dietary niacin can offer assistance in preventing and treating erectile dis, uh, deficiencies or dysfunction. And they used 3,000 men in this study, in a three-year study, as part of the National Nutrition Examination Survey. So, one more thing that can help. And finally, from Columbia University's Irvine Medical Center, positive childhood relationships are linked to improved adult mental health. A Columbia University study found that positive relationships with parents and other adults during childhood are associated with better mental health in adulthood, regardless of exposure to adverse childhood experiences. This was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association of Psychiatry and suggests that interventions promoting supportive adult connections during childhood could help pay dividends in young adult populations reducing the social culture risk of mental disorders, such as depression and anxiety. Quote, for kids, an extremely important resilience factor is a warm, nurturing relationship with a parent, a caregiver, or other adult. I would agree. But unfortunately today, some children, not all, don't have the time, the quality input, 
the type of bonding that historically was just taken for granted. It was acceptable. Now, a lot of kids are both physically and emotionally suffering from abuse, neglect, even caregiver mental illness, death or incarceration, and household violence. And that was particularly true during COVID where so many people were at home. We would think, all right, so people are at home together. Does that mean that that environment percolates violence? It can in cases. Guess which countries have the best childhood experiences growing up with social bonds that were created from infancy on? In your Latino cultures, in your uh, Spanish cultures, in Spain, Italy, uh, Greece, those countries, and even to a lesser degree in France, not so much in Great Britain, Scotland, and certainly not any longer in the United States, yet it used to be the same here. All of us have input when we were growing up. I know you did, I did, from aunts and uncles, grandparents, our parents. And sometimes when you felt uncomfortable discussing something with a parent, you could talk with a, a grandparent. They were always the wiser people, the more patient people, the calmer people. And also your friends and your family a member, let's say my friend's family, I could talk with them. There were just so many people involved in our lives that cared about us, and uh, that helped keep us mentally balanced. Also, we had time to go and play. We weren't micromanaged. Wow, I was filming a documentary. Um, I just finished the documentary. It should be available in the near future. We're in post-production. But over the weekend, I've watched three of the people talk about their childhoods because they've really had challenging uh, adult life. They range from 32 to 67 years of age. They're all nice persons, great personalities, um, easy to talk with. You'd never know they had a problem because they hit it. One hit it with drinking and his whole life, and he was a drunk. Another hit it by spending all that person's time trying to rescue other people and spending no time on themselves at a serious consequence. And the last one was just, wow, it was like watching, it was like watching the lancing of an abscess. All this vitriol came out about my mother wasn't there, my father wasn't there. In effect, I was raised by my friends, their input, and none of that was good because many of them suffered from the same neglect. Now, none of these people were physically abused. They were simply neglected. As one of them said, if only, if only I'd had quality time with my parents. But they were professionals. They were busy. They gave me financial support, like buying love. And I'm still carrying those scars. Anyhow, a lot of people today could say the same. And that's going to affect their choices throughout life. So let's give more attention to what it means to have a healthy childhood. That's the latest on health and healing. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Nall. A little hoarse today because I was up working 
all night and uh, on an important project that I'll be sharing with you shortly. Today we're devoting the rest of our program to offering legitimate, scientific, hard-proof challenges to the COVID narrative. Why? Because it continues. There's a big push now, for example, in France, to put people in prison for three years and a 45,000-pound fine if they mention anything negative about COVID or challenge the vaccines, if they should write a letter. I mean, it's so broad-based, and you would think, how in the world could a country say you cannot have open and honest dialogue and debate on a topic and yet demand people be vaccinated, mandate their behavior? That's not a democracy. And that's, unfortunately, that's tyranny. And that's that's not only in France, it's now in Great Britain and in Ireland, where they've weaponized all speech especially on any controversial issue that challenges the current narrative. Canada is no different. I want to show you the example of the hidden suffering, hidden because no one in the mainstream media dare put this on. This is a woman who is completely healthy and normal and young. And when she was told the dangers of not being vaccinated and the dangers of dying from COVID, She got vaccinated twice, and there seemed to be no problem. But then she had to get another vaccine, and that's when the problems began. Right after the vaccine, she was paralyzed from the neck down. That began the next part of the issue, and that is why medicine refuses to acknowledge the vaccine's deadly effects. And uh, so... But she tape-recorded one of the doctors explaining that what she had came from the vaccines. But you wouldn't find that anywhere else. And then guess what they suggested for her? Repeatedly suggested in Canada. Euthanasia. There's no real cure for this and you may never get better. So why not just, we have assisted suicide here. We'll give you a shot. You won't feel anything. You go to sleep. And your heart stops. And she didn't want you finished. She didn't want to die. And yet the Canadian government, they're all up for it. And now assisted suicides, one of the top five causes of death in Canada. So let's watch this clip. Kayla Pollock had many challenges in her early years growing up in rural Ontario. She would endure unspeakable abuse at the hands of her biological parents as an infant. But with the love and support of her foster parents, Kayla would grow up to be a caring and loving mother, an educational assistant, and a talented animal trainer. Life was good for Kayla. When the pandemic hit and the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines were available and eventually mandated in 2021, Kayla rolled up her sleeve and received two of the Pfizer injections with no issue. It was her decision to get the third Moderna COVID-19 vaccine in January of 2022 that would drastically change her life forever. The Canadian Independent traveled to Bradford, Ontario to speak with Kayla about her life living with a severe vaccine injury and the challenges she faces as a quadriplegic in a failing health system. Thank you, Kayla, for being with us today. 
Uh, before we begin, could you tell us what your life was like before your vaccine injury? Um, my life was really involved with a lot of animals. I worked at zoos and sanctuaries and worked with lions, monkeys, large parrots, and had a, a really um, uh, exotic lifestyle at home as well. And I was also really, really active. Um, I trained service dogs and guide dogs and um, did a lot of hiking. And of course, first and foremost, I was a mom. So um, I ended up um, quitting with all the, the big animals for safety reasons. And I ended up working at my son's school. So for the past four years before this happened, I had uh, been working at my son's school as a, uh, as a, like a, a casual EA. Could you tell us why you decided to get the COVID-19 vaccine? Um, one of the reasons I got the COVID-19 vaccine originally, and it was quite a debate about what we do. Um, I basically, a lot of it had to do with the things I was hearing on TV. So there was a lot of fear just being screamed at me by not just the TV, but also like, you know, when you hear like, the WHO is on TV telling you that this is like a deadly pandemic and, you know, people with immune disorders are going to, you know, die from COVID-19 more likely than other people. Um, you know, I was hearing about that and my dad was dying in long-term care at the time. In order to go see him, I needed the shots. In order to go to work, I needed the shots. So I received two Pfizer's and then a Moderna. I had no issues with the first two vaccines, which were the Pfizer's, and it wasn't until the Moderna shot the booster that I began having problems. A week after receiving her third mRNA COVID-19 vaccine in January of 2022, Kayla fell to the floor, paralyzed for 30 minutes, unable to move her legs. A second episode occurred a week later, which prompted Kayla to make an appointment with a neurologist through her family doctor. On the morning of February 22, 2022, before she could see the neurologist, Kayla would wake to find that she was paralyzed from the neck down. Kayla relives this day. Um, I opened my eyes that morning, and as soon as I opened my eyes, I realized, oh, it's time to get up. You got to get you know, get up and get going, get your coffee in you. It's time to go to school. And I went to get up and I couldn't move from the neck down. And that's when I was uh, uh, put on a stretcher and taken to South Lake Regional Health Center. Um, and um, that's when the events at South Lake started. Um, when I first arrived, originally the NER doctor did come in to examine me. And then he took away the, uh, the back the backboard. So I'm like, okay, this is good because that means I'm not paralyzed. And he told me that um, this was something that often happens to people when they're upset and that I essentially, this was in my head. And the good news was that I would get better because I was essentially having an episode that was some sort of psychotic episode and that, um, I'd never had any history of anything like that before, but he was telling me this, so I thought this was wonderful news. I asked him when I would get better, and he said, you know, it, it, it's up to you, really. 
Um, I'm going to have the psychiatrist uh, come and see you. So he ordered a psych consult and he left me there. He left me there for the entire day. Um, so originally that was the, uh, the first diagnosis. The second diagnosis, a, a doctor came to me and he whispered in my ear and he said, I think there's something seriously wrong with you. I do not think you're faking. And um, he said, I have a neurologist or a radiologist who's willing to read your report at home. If you go into the scanner right now, I can get that done. And I said, absolutely, because I don't think I'm crazy either. There's something really wrong with me. I am not faking this. And so I had the MRI scan. The radiologist read the report and they found a massive lesion on my spine that went basically right from the tailbone of my spine up and it was just like half an inch away from my breathing. Had I received the MRI um, first, I could be walking today because the treatment uh, is very time specific and uh, it wasn't till the next day that I even saw the uh, um, the neurologist who looked at my MRI and, and told me that I had transverse mellitus. I was starting to suspect this was vaccine related. And so um, when my boyfriend arrived at the hospital, anytime a doctor came in, I told him to record everything because I knew that uh, this made sense. This had started right after my vaccines. It made sense with the paralysis in my legs it made sense with the diagnosis. They had to rule out MS, they had to rule out cancer, they had to rule out infection. And uh, that's when the doctor told me that uh, he was sure that this was caused by the vaccine and he'd seen many, many different uh, vaccine injuries that were just like mine. Basically, it's a tumor that has to be removed. Less likely, very less likely to work. Okay. Very less likely. What's a cancer work that way? Well, we have the CT chest abdomen pelvis just to make sure there's no other areas of malignancy. Okay. So that's what that is. But most likely it's going to be probably if I'm using my gut impression here from the vaccine. So other people have it? Many people have it. Many? Many. And by the way, so you see I'm not exaggerating. Let's hear the clip about France putting you in prison if you challenge Anthony Fauci, COVID, the vaccines, the lockdown, any part of it. New law passed in France. Opposition of the mRNA injections as a sectarian aberration equals up to three years prison plus 45,000 euros fine. A new criminal offense in France could in future land people in prison who encourage people to withhold appropriate medical treatment, according to science. The law was pushed through the National Assembly on Wednesday. Critics call the law Article Pfizer. Without much attention, a law was passed in France on Wednesday that could criminalize resistance to mRNA treatment. Anyone who advises against mRNA or other medical treatments that are obviously suitable for treatment based on the current state of medical knowledge can in future be imprisoned in France for up to three years or receive a fine of up to 45,000 euros. Repression against medical critics. It was a hard-fought issue, but the Macron regime ultimately got its way. Article 4 is central to the new law, which was first deleted but then reinstated. 
This creates a new criminal offense and criminalizes the request to stop or refrain from therapeutic or prophylactic medical treatment as well as the request to use practices that are presented as therapeutic or prophylactic. This means that any resistance to mRNA treatment, and other corporate medical methods, can be criminalized in the future. Biologist Annalise Bouquet, for example, is correspondingly shocked. She writes on Wednesday evening, to my international friends and colleagues. Today a law was passed in France that describes any opposition to mRNA LNP injections as a sectarian aberration. It is punished with a penalty of up to three years in prison and 45,000 euros. The most explosive wording in the law that can be applied to the mRNA critics can be found in paragraph 2. The request to give up or refrain from therapeutic or prophylactic medical treatment is punishable by one year in prison and 15.000 euros fine if this task or omission is presented as beneficial to the health of the target persons, although, according to the current state of medical knowledge, it is obviously likely to have serious consequences for them on their physical or physical level, given the illness from which they suffer to have mental health. Anti-democratic maneuver. Most opposition factions, with the exception of the Social Democratic Group, saw the law as a prejudgment of so-called alternative medicine and a threat to whistleblowers. The sincerity of this fight against dangerous sectarian developments must not consist in punishing complementary care practices or the consumption of phytotherapeutic products by law, said Jean-Francois Coulomb from the left-wing alliance La France Ensemise. Thomas Maynage from Le Pen's Rassemblement National simply called the law development hostile to freedom. Initially, the government's plans failed and Article 4 could be deleted from the law. This immediately resulted in polemics from the government. A politician from Macron's party then spoke of an alliance against science of which he was ashamed. But on Wednesday the government prevailed, with a maneuver typical of the Macron regime. This is how the French parliamentary correspondence reports about it. One would not have counted on the determination of the government and the majority. On Wednesday, February 14th, at the end of the consideration of the bill, the chairman of the Legal Affairs Committee, Sasha Huli, Renaissance, took the floor in the plenary chamber to request a second consultation, as permitted by Article 101 of the Rules of Procedure of the National Assembly. This states that a second consultation is legally possible at the request of the government or the lead committee. Brigitte Liso has therefore tabled an amendment to restore, and reword, Article 4. Although the rapporteur emphasized that the offense is not fulfilled if proof of the person's free and informed consent is provided. She also made it clear that the new wording introduces an additional dimension in the context of the protection of whistleblowers the aim of the law of December 9, 2016 on transparency, batting corruption and modernizing economic life was, an objective reiterated in the text of the amendment, according to which information reported or disclosed by a whistleblower under the conditions set out in Article 6 of the previously cited law does not constitute provocation. Within the meaning of Article 4 of the present bill, this slightly amended draft was adopted in the first reading with 151 votes to 73, virtually without debate. Florian Filippo, the party leader of Les Patriots, a Le Pen splinter, had already warned against such a maneuver by the government a week before this action. He called Article 4 Pfizer Amendment, 
He wrote at the time on the National Assembly wants to reintroduce it with the support of the Council of Orders, of course, although even the Council of State classifies it as anti-freedom. That's all. Now the Macron regime has implemented the plan and pushed through the Pfizer Amendment. What is currently being experienced in France's parliament is blatant pre-fascism, an observer base there tells TKP, punish, discipline, coerce everywhere. The Pfizer article is another chapter, who the new offense is aimed at became clear in the debate in parliament. The next pandemic is coming was an argument that could be heard from the government. Now the bill goes back to the Senate. There could also be resistance there, but the Macronists have ways to get around this. So um, we were contacted early in the week um, by a group of scientists who've been doing some uh, scientific analysis and microscopy work um, on the Pfizer vaccine, um, which had been uh, stimulated by some overseas reports uh, by groups of uh, you know, very credible and credentialed um, experts, chemists and, and pathologists. Uh, who were reporting um, finding what appears to be very, very, uh, very, very tiny, but very complex um, sort of nanoscale technology. Uh, and the group in New Zealand have found uh, exactly the same thing. So um, I was asked to, uh, to go and have a look. Um, and I, I, I have certainly satisfied myself that these are not fakes uh, and that these are real people and this is real work having been done in New Zealand. Have you ever come across anything like this before? Well, we, we've been aware from uh, of the reports that I mentioned. Um, from the overseas? Yes. Um, so there's a, um, a Spanish group. Um, so Orwell.city is the website, mm -hmm. and they've been publishing work steadily. Uh, and and um, there's a group uh, in Germany, um, very eminent uh, pathologists, who reported uh, their findings on post-mortems of people who died post-vaccination. And they reported seeing things that they'd never seen before in their very long careers. They also reported finding um, unexpected ingredients, shall I say, in the, in the vaccines. Uh, and in fact, there were a number of other scientists and health professionals on that uh, press conference who also reported the same thing. So, um, you know, it's still, it's still very shocking when you see it yourself. Uh, you know, it's important to remember when you're looking at the pictures and the videos um, that, uh, you know, this is nanoscale, which means, you know, extremely small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some of the uh, sort of behavior of what seems to be machinery or circuitry, um, routers, chips, that type of thing, um, you know, is, is very hard to explain. But um, scientists tell me that, that at that sort of scale, things like gravity and magnetism um, behave rather differently. Mm. And I, I certainly am no expert at all in this area. Um, but having uh, spent a very hurried few days really trying to... Um... Sobering, isn't it? Now, this clip is interesting because Anthony Fauci was not the only person championing everything about the COVID protocols, six feet distancing, which, by the way, there's no science in the world to prove that that worked at all. They made it up. Uh, the masks being beneficial, that was a lie. And we did uh, thousands of hours of homework here Richard Gale, myself, and we got the actual peer-reviewed studies on masks and show you that the virus was too small. It could go right through the masks, but that didn't matter. But the side effects of wearing the masks all day, lack of carbon, uh, an excess of carbon dioxide and lack of oxygen, both can interfere with neurological development, especially in children. Remember children playing soccer with masks on, wearing them all day long? Well, 
Here is Dr. Hotez who championed this. Listen to the contradictions. Listen to the discrepancies. And everything he has said promoting this has been shown to be in error. Has he quit? Has he apologized? Absolutely not. Continues on. And being funded at the same time. Let's go to this clip. So we listen to charlatans like this, and I have no problem saying that this guy's a charlatan and a liar and as corrupt as they can be. He found Tucker's old bow tie. And put he, it on. And, and before the, you go wild on him, let, let me tell you something, because okay. I've interviewed him too. And, and, he, and here's what jumped out of me after interviewing him. He's a pediatrician. He's not an adult medical doctor. And he had ideas about the way this virus affected adults when I walked away from the interview and I thought, oh, he doesn't understand what happens to adults when they have severe illness, that they get brain shrinkage, they have long fog, they have all these things. And this is all part of just severe illness, not something magical about this virus, that it's specifically neurotoxic or something. And then it, it, as a result of that interview, I thought, I looked around and I went, oh my goodness, all the public health officials are pediatricians because they're the ones that really advocate the vaccine therapies and design the vaccine therapies. And that's where most infectious disease outbreaks are is in children. And we have no adult medical practitioners making decisions about an adult illness. And that was one, it's either that or non-physicians at all. Like in our, in LA County, we have a, a sociologist making <laughs> these public health calls. Oh yes, oh yes. Uh, Barbara Freire is not a clinician. At all, zero clinical training, and and that it was a major feature of where the whole thing went off the rail. Wrong people making the decisions, and the decisions were very complicated from a risk reward standpoint, and the wrong people were making the decisions. So um, that may be true. I'm sure that's true, but also well, I'm going to show. Well, let's watch this. Well, you know, Peter Hotez demands censorship and international action against foreign countries. He has contradicted himself at virtually every turn throughout the COVID era. In the first year, when Trump was still president, Hotez warned about the dangers of rushing vaccines under emergency use authorization. I don't think EUAs have a place for vaccines. We've never done an emergency use authorization for a major vaccine released to the public. What does that mean? We know it's a lesser quality review. What's the FDA going to do to ensure uh, public safety? Well, Hotez may have had political motive to cast doubt on the coronavirus products, he had good reason to be concerned. In March 2020, Hotez gave congressional testimony to warn about the dangers of coronavirus vaccines. One of the things that we're not hearing a lot about is the unique potential safety problem of coronavirus vaccine. With certain types of respiratory virus vaccines, you get immunized, and then when you get actually exposed to the virus, you get this kind of paradoxical immune enhancement phenomenon. We started developing uh, coronavirus vaccines and our colleagues, we noticed in laboratory animals that they started to show some of the same immune pathology that resembled what had happened 50 years earlier. So, so we said, oh my God, this is gonna be problematic. While Hotez warned against fast-tracking a vaccine, he was appointed by Anthony Fauci to lead an NIH program with pharmaceutical executives, the Gates Foundation, and others that did exactly that. In May 2020, anticipating public concern about what he had admitted was rushed testing, potentially unsafe products, and a new platform, Hotez wrote that the communications and missteps around the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines may require a period of damage control and called for the White House and NIH to shape a well-crafted vaccine communication plan and designate a trusted spokesperson who can articulate and carry the message, an apparent reference to himself. Once the FDA had given emergency use authorization, Hotez reversed his public stance. So what's your reaction to this uh, approval letter of this second vaccine? 
No, it's, it's fantastic. The emergency use authorization closely <laughs> approximates the full uh, approval process, so there's uh, no, nothing really rushed. Any vaccine released by emergency use authorization by the FDA is an outstanding uh, vaccine. Take whatever vaccine is really offered to you. Hotez said that once enough people were injected with two doses, viral transmission would stop and other measures would no longer be necessary. News is good. It's saying even after six months, it still looks like it's really strong and durable, so this is going to be a long-lasting vaccine. A single dose is not very effective, but two doses fully vaccinated people are a week or two after the second dose, the masks can start to come off. And guess what? You can have everything you've asked for in terms of uh, uh, not requiring social distancing and masks. We can have an extraordinary quality of life. This is time limited. It's not in perpetuity. Well, this is not in perpetuity. We are going to vaccinate our way out of this epidemic starting in the summer. If enough Americans get vaccinated, we could actually halt virus transmission potentially. Um, you know, if you do the simple math, I did a back of the envelope calculation. Once you get over 65% of the population with a single dose of the vaccine and 50% two doses, the amount of transmission will really start to decline. 60 to 70 percent, 60 to 80 percent threshold. We need to get to about 75 percent before we interrupt transmission. Around three quarters of the U.S. population. Roughly 80 percent of the U.S. population. Two doses turned to three. I think ultimately a third immunization with the mRNA vaccines will probably be needed at some point. We thought there was a pretty high likelihood we might have to give a third immunization down the line anyway at some point because we had no idea about the durability of any protection of any of these vaccines. So if you got a two-dose uh, Pfizer-Moderna vaccine, think of it as a three-dose vaccine. We ultimately will need to give a third immunization, and I've been pretty much saying that all along. This was always a three-dose vaccine, and so this was all predicted and predictable. I've always said this is a three-dose vaccine. Two mRNA vaccines were always a three-dose vaccine. But we've known for a while that this was going to be a three-dose vaccine. The big unknown is what happens to those of us who got three doses. I, I don't have the answer. You need that third immunization to get a 30 to 40-fold rise. After you get that third immunization, you do get a big boost in virus-neutralizing antibodies. By November 2021, the U.S. population had met what Hotez and the government called fully vaccinated. Today, we hit two important milestones. 80% of adults now have at least their first shot, and 70% of adults are now fully vaccinated. But the goalposts were shifted, and the booster campaign was just getting started. And we're going to have to change the definition of full, fully vaccinated. What counts as full immunization will be three doses just because we gave those first two doses so close together. The idea that two immunizations constitutes full immunizations is not even close. You need that booster and you probably need the, the second booster. If you've gotten a single boost and you're eligible, get your second boost. The solution here is just continue mass vaccination as aggressively as possible. That's right. Are you expecting, <laughs> as a result, uh, for these vaccines to, to essentially become a, a twice yearly thing? Of course, with mRNA, that may be what's required. You need two boosters. You're going to need a third booster. Two boosts really <laughs> makes the difference. Get your second booster. Uh, there are these new boosters. Uh, they've been available for a little over a week. Uh, wow. Who should get them? Well, any, anyone who's eligible. Once you're more than out four or five months from your last booster, no matter where you're at, maximize out your vaccinations. And even if you've gotten a single booster, you need two boosters. Now's the time to get a booster if you haven't been boosted in a while. Two to four months out, you're going to need a third booster as well, a fifth immunization. Third, third boosters, booster. meaning fifth immunizations, new bivalent uh, booster. You want to get Paxlovid. That gives you an extra layer of uh, protection as well. You need to get that booster. People need to get their bivalent booster. And the important message that I have this morning is get your new bivalent booster. Uh, if, if you've not gotten it, ready. you have to get it. They're talking about the third shot. And is that the bivalent or is it the fourth booster or does it matter? Like, can you help me understand? So, so before Elise was asking me that very question, I said, don't worry so much about the number of boosters. Oh. Worry about when you got your last booster. Attempting <laughs> <laughs> to boost ourselves Keep out of this um, uh, pandemic is, 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 in my opinion, uh, the, her the, the, the immunological equivalent of heroin addiction. Okay, and what I mean by that is that, that, that we're trying to get 
uh, we, we're trying to squeeze more and more benefit, um, which we're not getting. Um, we're, we're getting less and less benefit for more and more risk of side effects. The more doses, the worse it gets. So this is this is counterproductive. It's not just it's not working. It's counterproductive. When Johnson and Johnson's product was pulled after causing blood clots, the J and J vaccine. Uh, does cause a rare serious event, cerebral, a cerebral thrombotic event. Hotez continued to push them. Well, I don't have concern about the vaccine. It, it's, it's a good vaccine. It's, it's an excellent vaccine. After years of blaming the unvaccinated for the virus, demanding censorship, and seeking to criminalize criticism, Hotez casually admitted that the injections, in fact, don't stop transmission. We are not stopping infection anyway, but no, the booster's actually keeping people out of the hospital. That's where that came. Is it? Where can we can we spread that around X or something? Because it's so dr dramatic when you listen to the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, there's more to that. I'd cut it short because that, uh, that goes on and on it's, and on. It's, it's it makes me very sad. It's super sad because I am I am always interested in people changing their mind. I, I welcome it. In fact, he's welcome to join us looking at whether any of what he said was accurate and to maybe revise his opinion and to try to get towards the truth. But it looks so propagandistic and so, it just looks sad to, to hear somebody that's, a, that's you know, a scientist and a good clinician just being wrong time after time after time after time. It's, it's very sad. And the other thing that's happening right now that you guys don't see is that all this focus, his last statement there was that it reduces hospitalization and death and whatnot. All that data is from Alpha and Delta. Right. They don't have, and they don't have that data from Omicron. And oh, guess what? Everybody's everybody has had Omicron at least once. And so, who? Why would we even be thinking about vaccine? And then let's take a look at whether this vaccine indeed had some problems as a result of being rushed out so far. If it was rushed out in the EUA, which it was, why aren't we going back and doing the studies we normally do now? Because why don't we crime? do those studies? Because they don't have to. There's nobody to fund it. So they're not going to. And that that is, this is all profound. This is all profound. And we still have no consensus on the truth, right? There's the people that would would look at the, that video and just go, well, we had differing ideas. And, you know, we, as the data came in, he reported it. That's all. But there were people that at the beginning were like, hang on here. Wait a second. Three, what? And why, and the fact that those people were vilified and their lives turned upside down, that, that is where they went off the rail. Uh, also, yes. Also, you know, uh, what I try to tell people, like what I tried to tell Cornell West when he came on the show, that you want to fight fascism. Uh, you've been talking about it your whole life. Fascism came to America. It was called the COVID policies. They took, kicked people out of their jobs. They didn't give them money. Uh, they did in other countries, not they here. They discriminated against black people. They were the one of the biggest unpopular, unvaccinated group that couldn't walk into a restaurant in New York City. Because they're white supremacists. That's it's, right. It's insane. <laughs> That's right. So uh, they fired 70,000. You think, you, you know, those type of people claim to care about workers. Well, they fired 70,000 workers in one state alone for not taking an experimental medical uh, treatment that had no long term studies. And he couldn't give a sh about those workers. And I showed him that 41 percent of black owned businesses shut down during COVID. They got one out of business and again, didn't give a sh So he just so fascism came. And guys like Cornell West turned a blind eye to it because he's class loyal because it didn't affect him. 
And he said that he said to me, his words was, we live in two different worlds. Yes, he lives in an ivory tower. He lives at Harvard and he has for 45 years. And I live, I come from workers. I was a bricklayer. I was a nightclub comedian. I'm in touch with real workers on a daily basis. And so we do live in two different world, worlds. Fascism came and he still doesn't want to see it because it, he, I, I have lots of theories about it, but it was sad. It was sad. It's here. The time to stand up for workers came. The time to stand up for anti-censorship came. The time to stand up against fascism came and against big pharma and the the mixture of government and big uh, and corporations. The time came and all those people blinked and they tucked their tail and they still won't stand up and say a goddamn thing about it because they don't have enough as integrity as a goddamn pothead comedian hosting a YouTube show. And that's a sad thing to watch your heroes fall right in front of your face. These people who are still screaming about fascism and Donald Trump on January 6th, and all, they don't got any, they could give a shit about when fascism comes to America because it's here and they're not fighting about it. They're not fighting it. They're not screaming about it. They're not trying to correct it. They're not standing up for workers. They're not standing up for doctors or medical professionals they're not standing up for truth tellers they're not standing up for anybody except they hate donald trump well bravo look at the big balls you don't have Wait, don't forget supporting nazis in, in ukraine in, 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 <laughs> don't yeah, forget that right. it is a, it is a sad thing it is a sad thing the fact that i just found out jimmy door is a pothead <laughs> <laughs> i actually quit smoking pot last september oh good job well, uh yeah, it, I don't know why uh, yeah, it happened. So you you can find videos of me that look damning too out there because right? I was so, I knew from the beginning I, I threw the BS flag early. Yep. And I and and I I mostly because I thought it was the press doing it and I was and I was thinking the panic is not going to help this. And by the way, at the time we had been through. I know you may or may not be aware, but we went through a pandemic ten years ago. It was H one N one, and it killed three hundred thousand people, and no one knew it happened. And now we're going to go, we went through a worse one and we had to shut the world down for it. That, that was the part I kept saying, do we have to go all the way here? We just went through one. It was nasty. This one's probably going to be worse, but go from you're not aware of it to we have to ch alter the course of your life. That was an odd thing to me. And it was, here's the comedy. At the end of every comment I made early on in the pandemic, I said the same thing at the end of every comic. I said, make sure though, look, I don't know for sure. So I, here's what I want you to do. Listen to the CDC, listen to Dr. Fauci, because I know these guys and I trust them. That's cut out of all the videos you'll see on me. And that's the thing I actually got wrong. That was that was what I actually got wrong. But you learn. So I got it wrong, too. I, I succumbed to the propaganda and the fear. I got two shots. I didn't think that I got two shots. I'm, I was double vaxxed and I got vaccine injured. And then but, as soon as I looked into it, I found out that I was being lied to about everything, everything about it, especially they're lying about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, that those were Nobel Prize winning medicines. They're on the WHO list of essential medicines. They've been prescribed billions of times, saved billions of lives. They made me think it was horse poison or something you would put in your fish tank that's what that so that's the big so i knew i was lied about mass i was lied about herd immunity natural immunity remember six that feet, nobody again, six feet so six feet to me is the most astonishing thing of all because I, I knew early that was like came out of nowhere so, ten feet. so as soon as i learned that <laughs> i was ten feet, supposed to be 30 to 60 because it was an aerosolized virus but they said well maybe 10 feet would do something of course wow so as soon as i i learned things i 
had the I, I stuck my chin out and I told people things and I got censored on YouTube. I got hit pieces written about me in Newsweek and the me me everything. Me Facebook said I was my friends turned and slandered me on social media. Still do it to this day. Conspiracy and theorists. and well, yes, they slander you, then they, they're not your friends. It goes to you go to my Wikipedia page, which Wikipedia is again run by the intelligence community here and in the UK. MI6, the CIA, the FBI. They're the ones who edit personal uh, Wikipedia pages. Right. So if you want to go to Wikipedia and you want to learn about dog food, it's pretty good. But if you want to learn about anything controversial, it's over. They're going to call you a conspiracy theorist. They call me a conspiracy theorist for debunking the gas attacks in Syria, which I was 100% proven right by Eric Matei's meticulous reporting on that. We're going to take a break. I'd like for you to call in and share your points of view. Our talkback number is 888-874-4888. Back in a moment. We have a lot we just shared with you. I have more, but I'd like to get your input now. Please stay with us. And welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Jimmy Dore, uh, Dr. Drew, uh, and then challenging Hotez, uh, who should be challenged. And unfortunately, the mainstream media continues to promote him instead of challenging. You will not see anywhere in America the stuff that we present because it's the truth. Jimmy, here's an idea. Why don't you check out the 74 articles I wrote prior to your uh, finding out the truth about Wikipedia, where I eviscerate them. I deconstruct everything about the myth that Wikipedia is fair and objective. It's not. Or also, where did you learn about ivermectin was actually legitimate? What was the first article published in the United States? Richard Gale and I wrote the first article, a scholarly piece showing you over 400 studies, the institutions in which it was done, how many scientists participated, the peer-reviewed publications, and what was the percent of efficacy. We did three of them. And what was the first article written anywhere in this United States about what to do, assuming we were all going to get infected? But we all didn't want the same outcome, going to the hospital, you know, being put on ventilators and dying. Three articles at the very beginning. And, of course, you could say the same thing about 5G uh, and all the other issues that are important on the public health issue. 21 articles written challenging everything about COVID. So maybe you're starting off at the wrong point. And Dr. Drew... Um, Good for you. I commend you for having the courage to say you were wrong about everything uh, when it came to COVID and you promoted it, but you can't say you're sorry to the people who took your advice because you're, you're an opinion leader, policymaker when it comes to people's trust. Oh, I trust him. Just like I trust Howard Stern. I trust Jimmy Kimball. I trust... Okay. So one day you say, boy, you got it wrong. How many people said, wow, I'm paralyzed for life? or my brother died because we trusted you. Get out of medicine. Go into another field where you can tell the truth because clearly it's a field that the average physician, 99% have refused to tell the truth. What does that make them? Cowards and complicit. How complicit? Well, how about this, Dr. Drew? Why don't you watch the multi-award winning documentary that's been cited millions of times we're on health. Well, don't want that one. Then death by medicine. Don't want that one. The newest one just out this year, 
science for hire, showing the total corruption of science. And I'm not the person making the comments. The outstanding voices I find are. So maybe you're just using the wrong platform to get your initial information. By the way, a shout out uh, to Dr. Kakai, who has a program on BAI, because he's one of the few physicians who has been on the right side of these issues and has the courage in spite of the condemnation of uh, speaking it. Good for you. I commend you for that. Oh, by the way, you keep hearing the word democracy. We've got to do this for freedom and democracy. We should ban the word democracy. We should ban the word freedom because they no longer have any meaning. They've been completely weaponized. And to understand how civi civically illiterate the vast majority of people are, and all of our youth. Tomorrow I'm going to play you an extremely important program. From the beginning, there'll be no health nutrition tomorrow. This is far more important. I'll pre-record the health nutrition so you can still get it by going to PRN.live to the archives. But you're going to hear one of the most literate, insightful, honest discussions about democracy because we don't have a democracy. We've never had a democracy. At no time in our history, if we have, prove it to me. Show it to me. Okay? You can't because we did never started with a democracy. We started with a republic. We are a constitutional republic, which means the Constitution represents all people. Democracy only represents majority. So if you're 50.1%, you rule. Wasn't it uh, Lord Acton who said, Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely? Yes, it was. And I'm going to give you an example, starting tomorrow, of how utterly, contemptibly corrupt everything is in our society. That's tomorrow. And you're going to hear it in their own words. We've got to say goodbye to WBAI. Uh, you can continue listening by going to prn.live. And by the way, a lot of people don't have the right number to call in on. They're using this app. It, I, I don't have anything to do with that app. Uh, and it's got commercials on it, and it's poor quality. If you want to hear the program, just go to prn.live on your computer. If you're out in a car, here are the numbers to call. I'm going to give you two numbers because we have such an avalanche of people calling in to listen live wherever they're at. Write it down, please. 641-793-7091. 641-793-7091. And our second number to call in live, 605 5625119 um, oh by the way for those of you who saw my clip on Joe Rogan uh, recently this past week when uh, he was being uh, he was in a discussion that uh, clip has been seen millions of times and that's uh, with my interview with professor um, Dr. Kerry Mullis won the Nobel Prize for PCR, where he eviscerates Anthony Fauci, calls him out as being a coward, says he doesn't know anything about science. And uh, so we thank Joe Rogan for playing it. Uh, and uh, by the way, Joe interviewed Anthony, uh, interviewed Dr. Kerry, no, he interviewed uh, Peter Duisberg. I watched the interview and Unfortunately, he did not do his homework nor his staff to ask the best questions. 
And we believe it's time to do an in-depth special, a two-hour special, probably next Tuesday, not tomorrow, a week from Tuesday, where a whole panel of people who are aware, such as Celia Farber and myself and others who spent tens of thousand hours researching AIDS, uh, will do a definitive discussion. And then we'll send that over to Brent Weinstein, who was with Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan. And uh, also, tomorrow night I'm going to do a, a special on a close friend that just passed last week. And I think you'll find it of interest because it's in his own words. One day I just got the idea, I'm going to do a documentary on him because he is so uniquely gifted and creative. And David Boulay, America's Greatest Chef, and a, and a wonderfully creative human being. Never a dull conversation with David or his wife uh, as well. So that'll be tomorrow night. And I'm going to do it live so that you can call in if you have any experiences with eating at his place, taking his teaching classes. That'll be tomorrow evening. All right? And take advantage of the archives. Go to GaryNall.com. And by the way, I'm redesigning all of my all of my websites to make them easier to use and more interrelative. And uh, also, a lot of you are going to GaryNall YouTube uh, to download our, our classrooms on the air and some of these videos. I have thousands up there. And on Rumble as well, the more controversial ones, the ones that um, do not align with the official establishment, you can download and watch them on Rumble and on Odyssey as well. Whole new day is ahead of us. If all goes well in the next 12 months, I'm hopeful to have 100 plus new podcasts on Progressive Radio Network. And I'll even, just tomorrow I'll discuss what is progressive because everything you're hearing about these clowns calling themselves progressive, they're regressive, they're not progressive. They don't know what progressive is. Very few people do. There was a time when we did have a positive notion about progressive, but that was before it was captured and weaponized. So we'll have a discussion, but you want to hear a really important discussion on what is um, the way we should understand the dangers of a democracy. And it is a dangerous concept, democracy. And we've never had it anyhow. And why honoring the individual because when you take out all your unique individuals, and that's what, that's what every democracy does. The moment someone gets power, they simply codify the power and expand it. And where the people working for the government were supposed to be there to represent our needs, now they control every aspect of our lives. And I'm going to show you how, specifically tomorrow. I'm going to go through every major institution, and all of them represent a fraud. And if you have an intellect and an IQ, that you respect critical thinking, I think you'll appreciate tomorrow's program. Because I've never done it before. I just decided to do it after I saw what this judge this did in New York by finding, I don't like anything about Trump, but when he said Mar-a-Lago was only worth, you know, some millions of dollars, what was it, 19, 20, 20 million dollars? You can't, you cannot buy an empty lot in West Palm Beach for under 50 to 100 million dollars. An empty lot, and I, we got the videos to show that. 
It's worth about a billion dollars. It would be the most expensive home in the world, Mar-a-Lago, because it's quite simply non, you can't reproduce it. The cost per square foot would be astronomical. It'd be a billion dollars. So then you start to see what all this is about, all in the name of democracy that, you know, uh, no one is above the law. Well, okay, good. Then I'm going to show you a clip of Hillary Clinton. How come she is not held at the same account or all the other people in crimes? It's just a farce, just a farce with a bunch of imbecile and immature people screaming at each other as if they know what they're talking about, and they don't. We'll share that with you tomorrow. Have a nice day, everyone.